0: at greenlight.com slash ACAST.
1: And a very warm welcome back to Wellness with Lizelle and the second instalment of our special look at incontinence and bladder weakness. Now this week I am delighted to be joined in my wellbeing studios by a fountain of pelvic floor knowledge, Jane Simpson, working from the London Clinic on Harley Street. Jane has been a continent specialist for over 25 years. She's the author of the Pelvic Floor Bible and is just passionate about breaking the bladder taboo. and for all welcome Jane so great to have you here
2: thank you Liz and it has been
1: a bit of a taboo hasn't it over 25 years you must have seen quite a lot of change in the kind of dialogue and discussion about this
2: huge changes and and also in uh, the type of patients that I see so when I first started doing this I was about 35 Mm -hmm. and all my patients were my age so they're in their 50s um, things so they'd not done much after childbirth, but then after the menopause, things had got a lot worse and they'd yeah. sought help. Now, which is wonderful, I'm seeing much younger women. Right. So now I'm in my 50s, I'm seeing women in their You're 30s, the younger which ones. is ones. So great. how did it
1: start for you then? What was your journey that led you into this?
2: So I trained as a nurse at Addenbrookes Hospital in Cambridge and worked uh, on a ward, and I then became a district nurse. And as a district nurse, was visiting people at home and seeing terrible incontinence in the elderly. And very little help, Um, basically one pad fit it all, and it was a pretty sorry state of affairs. And specialist nursing was just coming into being, and I was one of the first um, specialist nurses um, in my field of incontinence. And so that's how it started, really. Um, I worked in the National Health Service doing this job, started a course with a colleague, which was the first English National Board course... training other nurses and doctors and pharmacists mm. in the in the problem. And then I've been, for the last 25 years, in, in private practice. Gosh.
1: And your book, which is the Pelvic Floor Bible, obviously that covers so many different areas, but let's go back to basics. So where is our pelvic floor and, and what does it do and why do we have one?
2: <laughs> okay, so our pelvic floor is the bottom of our core. And we know more and more about our core. The core
1: is our waist Bit, yes, our, our middle, if you like, our middle That's being. That's right. So
2: it starts with your diaphragm at the top, mm-hmm. and with your lower abdominals at the front, and the lower back muscles at the back, and your pelvic floor is the bottom of the core, and it's a hammock of muscles. So if you think of your pelvic girdle, at the bottom of it you have a hammock of muscles going from your tailbone at the back to your pubic bone at the front, mm-hmm. and side to side on the sit bones, the bones that we sit on, and they are... Well, they're holding our insides in. Without our pelvic floor, our innards would simply fall out. Right.
1: That's quite important then. <laughs> <They're> quite important.
2: <laughs> and with the core working together, they keep us stable. They help us to walk in a straight line. They're good for our posture. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, for our continence, they're very important to keep us continent of both urine and faeces. And they help us when
1: we're pregnant and when we're having babies. Right. So what role does that sort of like sling of muscle have then? Because you talk about continence, but that isn't that to do with the bladder and the urethra
2: yes so the pelvic floor it goes around the urethra it goes around the vagina and it goes around the anus and when they're working properly we stay dry so for example if you were to cough or sneeze or laugh you would stay dry because your pelvic floor would um, contract at that moment to stop you from wetting yourself Mm -hmm. your pelvic floor is a little bit weak when you cough a little bit of urine might leak out because Mm. that's the pelvic floor not working at its maximum and it's not shutting off tightly enough at the urethra to allow us to stay dry. Mm. And the same for the bowels. Um, You know, if you you might inadvertently pass wind without realising it if your pelvic floor is
1: weak. Right. Are there different types of incontinence then?
2: There certainly are. Um, So the commonest form of incontinence is stress incontinence. It's the one we all think about and we think, you know, Menopausal ladies trampolining. Um, so stress
1: incontinence is is what then you
2: when you cough, sneeze, laugh. So something physical under, makes yes, you a physical movement. It could wee. be jumping up from a chair, um, and it makes you leak a little bit of urine. Right. Um, another form of incontinence, which covers a wider age group really, and also men, is urge incontinence or what we call the overactive bladder. And this happens when your bladder, most often, we don't really understand why it happens. So in medical terms, we call it idiopathic. We like that word because we don't really know what it Idiopathic. Means. We don't know what, what idiopathic means, so, <laughs> but it means something that's happening to us and we're not sure why, really. Okay. And it's when the bladder has a spasm and you either are dying for a pee, and I'm sure all of you have been mm-hmm. on your doorstep trying to get the key in the door, yeah. desperate for a pee and only just making it get your pants down in time for, you know, before you have yeah. an
1: accident. Yeah. Or
2: you could have actually urge incontinence, so you might actually leak urine on the doorstep, which is very distressing.
1: Mm, sure. Mm-hmm. And what causes those two different things? Is I mean, particularly you talked about urge incontinence, but stress incontinence, is it all down to childbirth and hormones? Is that really where where it all starts, where yeah. it all starts to go wrong?
2: In general, um, stress incontinence is... is caused by childbirth predominantly it can happen to you at the menopause as well when dropping estrogen levels um, I mean the tissues of the pelvic floor are less elastic i see quite a lot of patients who have severe constipation um, but what, what would that have to do with from straining on the loo for years so if you've been straining and straining on the loo it's a bit like having a baby ah, but you're, it, damaging you're, you're damaging your pelvic, your floor. pelvic floor muscles yes yeah, so that's kind of a little Known thing because I think when you have constipation, a lot of people rush off and buy some laxative over-the-counter and they don't actually seek help for it. So they struggle with constipation for years and not realising that they're damaging their pelvic floor muscles. Mm. Um, also, I treat quite a lot of men. So um, in men, it's generally it's um, a radical prostate surgery for prostate cancer. Um, occasionally, if you've had a, a normal... A transurethral resection of the prostate for benign disease. But in general, following um, radical surgery for cancer, quite often men have stress incontinence, the same as women after having a mm. baby. Um, interestingly with men, they are, I think, more afraid of incontinence than women because we've worn pads all our lives. We've had periods, we've been yes, used to things used leaking to- <laughs> <laughs> So men are absolutely terrified and they come to see me pre-op and they are diligent about doing their pelvic floor exercises so men can do
1: pelvic floor exercises as well Isn't that interesting can, yeah. and also maybe it's because they're wearing tighter fitting clothes generally they're wearing trousers which are, are by definition quite fitted whereas you know uh, you know we can wear loose skirts or That's you know right. flowing a-line dresses if, you know if <laughs> right. we chose to do so which right. would give us a bit more freedom so our incontinence journey then if we're going to have one is likely to start after childbirth so that could be quite early on. I mean, we could be talking about women in their 20s.
2: We could, and in fact, if we look at the the, the whole population, a certain group of people, um, young young children and young girls have... I mean, I don't look after children, but there is a thing called giggling incontinence. Giggling? Uh, yes. And we've Doesn't all, sound very funny. No, it's not. And we've <laughs> all said, oh, we laugh so much, we wet our pants. But actually, giggling right. incontinence is a rare rarest thing that happens to young children and is often related to the overactive bladder but in general we would mm. suggest that it starts at childbirth now i think that as we're all doing a lot more high impact sport yeah which can have a a downward effect on the pelvic floor and we know that if you have a weak pelvic floor high impact sport is detrimental to the pelvic floor muscles mm. Um, and we're all doing a lot more of it.
1: My yeah. mother wasn't
2: running marathons.
1: And no, a number to the of gym. my friends I have who are saying they're training for marathons. Yes. So it, should we be really focusing on our core? I know, I mean, we write, uh, a our well-being, we, we write a lot about Pilates, for example. Yes. And you, that always starts. I mean, that makes me sit up straight just talking about it um, <laughs> with, you know, sitting up straight, putting your core on, as they mm. say. So you sort of activate your core when we're doing that and we're, we're sort of tightening up inside. Is that automatically then having a good effect on our pelvic floor?
2: Not necessarily. You need to right. activate your pelvic floor as well.
1: Separately. Yes, so that's and that's sort of pulling up. How mm-hmm. do we know where it is and, and how to feel it?
2: OK, so I think those that's the most important thing. If you're going to actually do pelvic floor exercises mm-hmm. is are you doing them right and are you right. doing them often enough? Those are your mantra. Okay. Are you doing it correctly? Because if you're not, there's no point. And are you doing it often enough? So to do it correctly... I recommend various things. So one is to sit on uh, a hard surface like, um, you know, an exercise ball or the arm of your sofa. So you position your sort of vulval area really on the hardish surface. You feel Mm -hmm. it in contact with it. And then the idea is that you contract the anal sphincter. So you were trying to control diarrhea or a wind and pulling up with the vaginal muscles, um, imagine you're trying to stop peeing mid-flow, and you squeeze, lift, and hold for the count of five, and then gently relax. And you do that five times. Right. And I think three times a day.
1: Okay, if three times you, ev- every day?
2: Yes, every day. Right. And I think we should all be doing it every day. Um, there is a certain group of women that have uh, tight pelvic floors, which we can we can discuss, but mm. for... Doing your pelvic floor exercises, I think three times a day is 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 manageable because you we you know we yes. all clean our teeth twice a day, so we could do it
1: then. We could think if you know if we got into that mindset of actually that's mm. what I'm going to do now. As yeah. I clean my teeth, I do my pelvic floor exercises. That's it's just right. it's a habit, isn't it? And I think is it they say you've got to repeat something thirty times for it to become a habit. So, that's
2: a very, very good thought. I, I think yeah. they have scientifically
1: proved that. So if you can do it for sort of one month, set that as your yeah. journey. And then you just automatically, the minute you put up, you know, pick up your toothbrush, that's, that, that you know, will you be start it. pulling up your pelvic floor.
2: I think it's important if when you do that, you actually can't feel anything happening at all. Mm. Um, you need to sort of think about other ways of trying to see how to contract the pelvic floor. And one way is to, when you're peeing on the loo, mm-hmm. try to stop midstream. Now we don't recommend at all that you keep doing that. I was going it's to say. Good I, I,
1: I heard that people were, were against that. Now. It,
2: very. Um, it's not. It's not good for the bladder, but is it, it is. Not? It, it's a good way. Sometimes you do an empty. I guess. It's a test. Okay. And as long as you do it once, just to see if you can. Right. That's a good little test, mm-hmm. or if you have a, if you're a tampon user, have a tampon inside. Try to pull on the string and see if you can like, do a tug of war with it. Really, that's a good way of seeing <laughs> you can squeeze your pelvic floor. You know, it's it's yeah. very local. We're yes. trying to make sure. I mean, obviously, I examine all my ladies, so I can tell by examining them and yeah. connecting them to equipment with graphs whether they're using their muscles correctly, but we don't all have access to that. No. So it's important if you're actually doing the pelvic floor exercises, you are using the right muscles. Yeah. You can also try when you're having intercourse to squeeze your partner's penis. That's another way.
1: And can they tell? I've never had that conversation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, they can. they can tell. <laughs> They can tell if you're using the right muscles. Okay, I thought it was and, going to be if, if
1: you're with the right uh, person. And
2: if, if yeah, well that might be another question. That's another story for another day. I
1: think. Okay, but, so that so that yeah. you can actually you know have some yes, sort of gauge what
2: yes, you <laughs> you're doing exactly. It. Yes, you can, and I think, and if if after all of those things mm. you still think, oh my God, I've, I just can't tell if I'm doing the right, right thing or using the right muscles. Please seek help. There's lots of women's health physios yeah. about. And, and, um, that and seems to be
1: a whole growing family. area, doesn't it, of, of, yeah. of physio work. Mm. Is that you can have these well-being That's women's right. physios and they really mm. focus on the whole pelvic region. Is that and right? And thank goodness for that. Yes, yeah.
2: absolutely. It is a growing and it, it's it's wonderful to see. Obviously, over 25 years, I've mm. seen it go from a tiny little group of us um, to a much bigger thing. And and it's still quite taboo. I mean, if, if you talk to anybody and say, you know, do you have a stress incontinence? They'll say, well, not really, you know, but uh, we know that if you have leaks more than twice a month, then you've got stress incontinence. Is that
1: the definition? Yes, Isn't that interesting? That's the International
2: Continent Society's definition. Gosh, well, that
1: must apply to... Yes, more than than one in three women, I would think, which,
2: you know, I'm convinced that more than one in three women have stress incontinence or a degree of some kind of pelvic floor dysfunction Mm. and whether that's prolapse bowel problems sexual problems stressing contents urging contents something that is affecting their lives
1: so what can we do are there any other lifestyle factors that affect it like what we drink what we eat you know smoking exercise we've touched on a little bit that we need to be careful to make sure that our core is strong and protected before we head off to do marathons Mm. just picking up on that actually on the exercise because i you know do quite a lot of exercise and i've been quite you know vigorous on my instagram with talking about it is there anything that i should be aware of specifically or women in general when we're exercising
2: in fact, the International Continent Society um, had a meeting recently and at that meeting they said if your pelvic floor muscles are good and they're strong, yeah. then exercise is fantastic, so carry on doing it. Just be a little careful if your muscles aren't strong mm. um, because then you can actually damage them further. Right. So things really high impact is, is the obvious thing. The so so high so impact is, is, is the thing to watch. Skipping, okay. you know, skipping serious... I
1: started skipping. I have to break the news gently to Michael Gary that I might not be able to do quite as much skipping. <laughs> oh,
2: dear, I'll be in Michael <laughs> Gary's bad books. <laughs> no, I mean, it's fantastic, and we, we need to keep fit and yeah. well. just as And have a bit of our... impact for our bones, yeah, so it's that course. balance, isn't it? It is a balance. About Everything is a balance.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash
1: ACAST. That's right. I, I, did, I posted a, a series of pictures of me or videos not that long ago of me doing push-ups, uh, which I'm quite keen on, and Michael Gary is quite keen on me doing them. And then I had did have a comment, actually, from a lady who said, oh, you know, be careful because of your pelvic floor. And I have to say that hadn't actually crossed my mind. But presumably if I'm engaging my core yes. and my pelvic floor muscles are strong, I'm not going to be doing any harm. No,
2: you're not. Uh, you know, if you had very weak pelvic floor muscles, all those things you should keep back. Until they're better. Yeah.
1: Um, And things like yoga, would that be good? Do you think, because again, it's all pulling up, isn't it, and focusing on inner strength?
2: It is. I mean, yoga, just doing yoga isn't going to strengthen your pelvic floor muscles, but absolutely, they do a lot of focusing on the pelvic floor, which is fantastic. Mm. And a lot of yoga maneuvers help to strengthen, you know, help you to use your pelvic floor muscle correctly. Yeah. So.
1: But ultimately, if you aren't sure you're doing it properly, seek help. Yeah, that's a really good idea. What about things like uh, food and drink?
2: Food and drink, really. I mean, can we be
1: drinking more water? Is that helpful to keep hydrated? Should we be having less water so that we don't need to pee as much? What's the What's the rule?
2: Well, I think with water, and I was listening to your little podcast on uh, cystitis, and I'm a huge mm. fan of D-mano's. Um, D Manners, isn't that an great, amazing thing? Yeah, I'm a great knew? fan of it. And, yes, if, uh, uh, guys, if
1: you haven't listened to yeah. um, to that one and and you do get troubled with cystitis, then then go and look up D Manners. Very, very good mm. thing.
2: And uh, so yeah, so we need to keep well hydrated. But mm-hmm. you know, I I saw a lady the other day, um, and I actually posted this on my Instagram who was drinking. Um, I think she was drinking seven pints of tea a day and three pints of water. That's and a was lot going, going to through your lot. bladder. Yes, not surprising. So, you know, that is not surprising. So it, it's everything in moderation. Yeah,
1: don't food, strain it too much.
2: You no, know, and there's no real thing with food as long as you're not constipated. So okay. constipation affects pelvic floor, so just keep a good healthy diet. Mm. And drink sensibly, obviously, things like tea, coffee, fizzy drinks can make, you run to the loo quite a lot, mm-hmm. caffeine yeah. um, and things like that. Um, being overweight has got to be a game changer. If you're very overweight, that puts a huge stress on the pelvic floor. I yeah. mean, obviously on lots of other things too in your health, smoking, um, more coughing, pressing down on the pelvic floor. Right. I've actually written in my book uh, that uh, hay fever um, stress incontinence is more common than hay fever, and yet course, we're all sneezing, you're sneezing
1: away. all the time. You don't even That's, think about that.
2: Yeah, exactly. So all those sort of things. But really, um, childbirth and the menopause are the most common. But then, yeah. yes, uh, being so overweight is a big. Talk deal. us
1: through why menopause would make us more likely to suffer from incontinence.
2: I think you have children in your maybe in your thirties. It depends on how many you had. And if you have two, you're not going to be a lot worse, but if you've had more than two, then your pelvic floor will suffer more. As we age, and we're doing more sports and more high-impact things than we Mm -hmm. ever did before, our pelvic floor will suffer more just because we've got older. But then at the menopause, when hormones change, you have less estrogen, the pelvic floor becomes less elastic, and therefore it's more difficult to support um, the bladder when you put some stress on it. Also, the urethra with less oestrogen can give you quite a lot of urgency. Lots of women get the overactive bladder symptoms at the menopause when they never had them earlier on, and just mm. that's a, a reduction in oestrogen. So localised estrogens in the form of Vagifem or oestrogen um, creams or even rings can really help mm. that. And I every single patient that I saw, I'm hugely hot on vaginal uh, atrophy. I think it's a massive underreported yeah. problem. Yeah, and it? because I examine women every single day, I see it. Yes, And I say to them, you know, is, it, you know, is intercourse sore? Are you going to the loom more? Ooh, yes, yeah. both of those things. So the yeah. menopause has a huge pe- impact on the pelvic floor and giving back vaginal oestrogen to these ladies is, is a game changer. Which,
1: of course, is entirely safe as well. Yes, it's, totally. it's a tiny, tiny dose of oestrogen yeah. just replacing what we would normally have. And there's absolutely no health risk or cancer risk or anything all. with vaginal oestrogen. No,
2: I'm, I'm a, a massive, massive fan of it, as I said. And it, mm. uh, it's changed a lot of my patients' lives. Mm. And yes, they've gone on to do their pelvic floor rehabilitation. Sure, but you just as well. that yeah. can be huge, of huge
1: significance. Yeah. Now, talk about prolapse, because that was a word that you mentioned earlier. How does that play into all of this? What is it? How can we help? Make ourselves better from it.
2: Okay so <laughs> prolapse we know that um, at least 50% of women over 50 have a degree of prolapse. So
1: what is a prolapse?
2: Prolapse comes in three, well more than three forms but we'll just talk about the three main forms. The most common is what's called a sister seal, which is the front wall of your vagina. And if you imagine your bladder is just pushing into your vagina slightly, it's a sort of herniation or like a hernia of the front wall of the vagina. And the uh, bladder is just bulging slightly into your uh, vagina. You may feel like you're sitting on an egg or a ball or... You might actually just get cystitis more often because your bladder isn't emptying terribly well. So cystitis could be caused by prolapse. And that could happen at any age? Could happen at any age. It in general happens post-childbirth. Prolapses of the bladder, certainly. The second one is a prolapse of the bowel. It's called a rectocele. And again, it's the sort of rectum pushing into the vagina little bulge, and again, you would feel the same things, a heaviness, Mm. discomfort, not being able to empty your bowels very well. I see lots of ladies who are having to put their fingers in the vagina to push the um, feces back into their bowels so they can open their bowels, and that's because it's sort of stuck in a little pocket. Mm -hmm. And the third one is uh, uterine prolapse, um, when your uterus is falling down into the vagina. Um, All of them are uncomfortable. You feel mm. like something heavy there, if, particularly if you do exercise, you think, oh, something's falling out. Right. It's very unpleasant. Um, Is it dangerous? It's not dangerous. Um, You're not physically going, physically it's, it's not going
1: to fall out. Your uterus no, isn't not, going to drop out.
2: No. I've seen it twice.
1: Right. And so
2: in my 25 yeah. year career of examining women, I've seen that twice. And yeah. then you need a hysterectomy really or, or, yeah. or everything to be pulled back up. Mm-hmm. There's a operation you can do to mm-hmm. preserve the uterus. But... In general, now you would use uh, pelvic floor rehabilitation alongside things like weight reduction, maybe some estrogen and pessaries. I'm a massive fan of pessaries. This is a, an area which I hope will come more and more commonly used, particularly at the moment. If you've seen in the press talk about vaginal mesh, which yes. at the moment has been banned by the NHS and NICE, um, and well that, there, that, that, yeah. that was a
1: sort of a mesh that was used hmm. after childbirth is that right for incontinence was it
2: yes but this this for prolapse is a mesh and for that, prolapse right it was used a bit a bit like when you had a hernia repair um, of your abdominal abdominal hernia um, and they put some mesh to try to um, support the walls of the vagina and so at the moment because that's not available um it's i'm hoping because i think pessaries are very empowering to women um, How you does a pessary
1: could, work and, and what does it contain?
2: Okay, so a pessary, um, they used to look a bit like decoits. They were sort of a round thing that you, you inserted and it stayed up there. Um, it... Now they're in all sorts of shapes and sizes. They're made of silicon um, or very body-compatible things, and mm. they can be cube-shaped, they can be round. They or do they can...
1: stay up there, and so, they, just so it's stay not something there. that dissolves?
2: No, so it's, okay. you can take it in and out. So I don't know if you remember the old-fashioned Dutch cap. It was a contraceptive. It's a round thing with a yes, dome on top. Yes, yes, The diaphragm. That's sort of, yes, yeah. the diaphragm. So that, for, for anybody who's listening, that sort of can give you an idea...
1: Of one of the types of pessaries that you so, can wear. So you you, you stick it in, mm. and how does it not fall out? <laughs> you have to. That, that, that's that's <laughs> when your muscles come in, is it keeping yeah, it there? <laughs> well, you
2: sort of hook it behind the pubic bone at the front, and it sits over your cervix, and it just supports everything. And if you try to like imagine a tampon, it, it, yes, in a way. And yeah. you could use a tampon. And I sometimes recommend, certainly mm. for ladies who have just got mild stress incontinence, mm-hmm. you can use a tampon in the vagina if you go running to help keep you dry instead of wearing a pad that's an
1: idea yeah some
2: ladies use the moon cup or the menstrual cup it just applies a bit of pressure to the Mm -hmm. urethra to help keep you dry but the pessaries um if try to think of them like a sports bra you wouldn't go running without your sports bra so So why would you let your vagina you know not have the same care and tension support interesting hmm.
1: now what about these I've seen these different things and, and I've seen them in, in women's physio clinics that they look like a set of mini weights Okay. that you insert and are, are you gradually is the idea that you can kind of do weight training for your, for your bits so. for your lady bits
2: yeah you certainly can there are various <laughs> gadgets out there I mean there's loads of gadgets if you look on you know Google um, I, don't but, know if I if dare, but, I dare I might uh, get don't. all
1: sorts of things come up I start like... doing vaginal gadgets my that's goodness
2: right. <laughs> yeah, you don't, don't do that so, <laughs> <laughs> but the three things that I use in general are, and I'm a huge fan of gadgets, I think if we have some positive feedback mm. that things are getting better... Yeah. Bravo. We, yeah. we all, are, you know, we're all addicted to our Fitbit and, you know. Yeah, technology
1: is technology really moving our, on, isn't it? To our be helpful. apps. Yeah. And I'm a yeah. great
2: fan of the Squeezy app, which is um, mm. just pelvic floor exercises mm-hmm. and it shows you how to do them. It counts, it times you, it even pings to tell, it reminds you to do it. Yeah. But back to the vaginal weights. Mm. Vaginal weights are great and they are a graded, a different heaviness. Um, and so you start with a light one. You put it up there, it works on a natural body reflex, you don't actually even have to work hard with it, and I do usually... feel it
1: there and do you sort of tense against it? To, not really to keep it in no place.
2: It, it it sort of does its work by itself, so it wants to drop out and your muscles sense it falling and have a natural body reaction a, clever. against it. and I think if you do that in the shower for fifteen minutes every morning, fantastic. It's not useful if you have a prolapse, right. It can get lodged behind the prolapse or just pushed out by it. So would you use it for Gen- strengthening? If you want to use for strengthening, if you've got some stress incontinence mm-hmm. and your muscles are weak but not terrible, vaginal weights are great. If your muscles are not working at all, um, I use electrical stimulation of the muscles. It's It does have certain contraindications, but in general it's great. And you put a, a probe in the vagina... You attach yourself to a little electrical stimulation machine and you can actually physically feel the muscle contracting. Mm-hmm. And if you're unable to do a contraction on your own, it's wonderful because it can give you back the sense. It's a feedback, a biofeedback. Right. Oh, that's my muscle working. I haven't felt yeah. that in years. Yeah. And that's a great thing. Those are the sort of things I recommend. And I do think gadgets are helpful. But just doing your pelvic floor exercises on the way to work in the morning is not a bad start. <laughs>
1: oh. Okay. Kegels or Kegels, the same as pelvic floor exercises. People talk about doing their Kegels. I think it's particularly in America people talk about that.
2: It's true. And so the reason they do is Arnold Kegel was a man. um, He was a gynecologist, in fact, in the 40s and 50s in the US. And he was examining all his postnatal women. And he thought, well, that's odd. Their muscles are much worse after they've given birth than they were before. And he invented something called the Kegel perineometer. Um it was a what fantastic video kit. There's actually a picture of it in my book, which is quite fun. And it's a, it was a little probe that went in the vagina and it had a thing which looked a bit like a speedometer on your car. And when you squeeze, this little dial went round so you could actually oh, know if you were doing it. However, it was slightly more designed for the 1950s housewife than the woman of today because his, his recommended treatment plan was 20 minutes three times a day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like we've all got that. <laughs> exactly.
2: So uh, the Americans call them kegels, so what a great legacy. that yeah. He was an American gynaecologist. We call them pelvic floor exercises or kegels. But it's the same it's thing. It's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. thing. It's, it's
1: yeah. our squeezing, and we it don't does. have to do 20 minutes three we times a day. We don't, I promise. Excellent. I promise. I'd love to finish on a high note and perhaps just hear some of the success stories that you've had, because you've obviously been doing this, you know, 25 years, as yeah. you say, and you see so many women. Do you, you you must get so heartened by the fact that you can, you can change women's lives.
2: Yeah, that's true. Actually, it's quite a humbling thing, you know, to make people better. Mm. And I, I think I had a lady a while ago and, and she said, I said to her, you know, do you feel better? And she'd had some prolapse and she'd had some stress incontinence, she had three children. And she said, if I was as I am today, I would never have come to see you. It's not bothering me anymore. And I think we have to accept that as we go through life, you know, our bodies change. But if you can get to a point where you can, you know, skip out of my room and you're better and you you're not bothered by it anymore, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah.
2: Um so that that was one amazing story. And I think young lady who came to see me, who literally had given up her job, she was in a terrible state. And in fact, her mother had been to see me. Um, and so she'd sent her daughter. And she had overactive bladder. She was in her mid-twenties. And she'd become a recluse, really. And so, in fact, in her case, we used some drugs to calm her bladder mm. and some pelvic floor rehabilitation. And she is now back in the world of work and a happy young woman and those are the kind of things that make it
1: all really worth it Amazing, Mm. wonderful, well thank you so much for being here and sharing all that I'm sure this is going to be a hugely hugely useful podcast and I hope it will get widely shared as well because that is sadly all we have time for today but as always you can find all the links and resources mentioned in today's show over on lizellwellbeing.com where you can sign up to the free weekly newsletter and don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. And if you'd like, I'd love it if you could find a moment to leave a review as it really does help other potential listeners to find the show and perhaps also find the help they may well need. So until the next time we chat, go well. Bye-bye.